This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 27 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm your co-host, Pat. Please join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. guys here we are again awesome once again episode 27 we join in the eddie den the podcast studios that's right you know this i've tried it's not quite you have the paranormal you have the bigfoot sanctuary that's right what, what'd you call it again it's my crypto den your crypto den yeah it's, it's my uh it's my man cave with a paranormal and uh you know kind of monsters and myths and mysteries slant on it yep um Who's it? Somebody called us the Nerd Den or the Nerd Cave. Or yeah, the, this kind you don't of, like that, do you? It's a studio. I like to see it as a create a creation space. Yeah, I mean, okay. this is where I do. We do all of the other podcasts get recorded out of here as well, and uh, I don't have quite the same unifying theme that you do. Uh, Pat has like a Star Wars dedicated basement, basement. almost almost exclusively yeah. Star Wars. Uh, pretty much exclusively Star Wars. I I, I had a ton of Star Wars stuff. Um, I used to have an entire bedroom dedicated to Star Wars. You know, yes. I had a bed, I had sheets on the bed, I had pillows, you know, posters on the wall. Just I had it done upright. Um, had to give up that room for the kids. You know, you know, little things like that. Darn kids! But uh, so I still have some of my stuff down in the basement. A lot more of it in storage. Yeah, which kind of makes me feel bad sometimes. But you know. You got to do what you got to do. Exactly. But Eddie, your decor just can't be contained by any one genre. Really? You know, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> you're, you're all over the place, buddy. But it's a, it's a, this room is a good representation of your life because it is a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Yeah, that's uh, right. Got some comedy stuff, got some comic book stuff, got some sci fi and some fantasy, some cryptids, some cryptids, some transformers, video it, games. It, I like to think of it, even my wife who like likes, she likes a lot of this stuff, but doesn't. Like, you know, profess it a ton. She doesn't like rush out and buy tickets for the first of day of the Avengers movies or anything. But she's even come down here and been like, a lot of this stuff kind of evokes creativity. So yeah. she's like, it's kind of fun just to sit down and kind of just soak it in. Um, but yeah, here we are gathered in the in the podcast studios. And uh, we're going to record us some new paranormal dads. We've got a good show lined up for you. We do. And as always, we begin with uh, recent sightings. Who has this one today, boys? It's my turn. Oh, All right, Pat. Here Pat we go. Attack. So do you have plans on visiting Alberta, Canada next year or this year? Wasn't on the horizon, but now I think I should. Well, now you should because <laughs> the Heritage Discovery Center is sharing a classic Sasquatch stories. It's sharing... Classic Sasquatch, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> classic Sasquatch, classic Sasquatch. Sasquatch stories from Alberta with its new exhibit, In the Shadow of the Rockies, Alberta's Sasquatch Stories. Ooh. So it's basically like a museum that they have, and they've got this exhibition of stories about Sasquatch 
right in the Alberta area. Man. You know, the Rocky Mountains run right through there. Most of the stories take place on the west side of the mountains. Okay. Um, so very squatchy area. You know, yep. Canada is full of trees. I mean, and, the entire uh, country is yeah. squatch territory. I mean, Canada's got to be a haven for Sasquatch, you yeah. would think. Um, but the exhibit opened in September, and uh, the curator, a man by the name of Charles Taws, believes this is the first exhibit on Sasquatch with an Alberta focus, and it features five classic Alberta Sasquatch stories. So if you search for Bigfoot and Alberta or Sasquatch, there are a lot of like videos and pictures and things of activity in and around Alberta, Canada. Uh, with Bigfoot, you know, some of them look almost a, the pictures look almost a little too good for my taste. Right. Um, but uh, others, you know, there could be a, a little uh, a little meat behind some of these stories, such as the documentary called Sasquatch. Is he a hoser? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sasquatch stole my toque. <laughs> um, but the the exhibit will feature static displays of reported encounters uh Detailing back to 1811, other displays include casts of footprints and large, a large mural of Sasquatch, where people, of course, can take selfies. Um, there are also two computer setups where people can search the Alberta Sasquatch and Canada Sasquatch websites and review the surprising numbers of sightings in and around Alberta. Very cool. You said sightings back to 1811. 1811. Wow. So that that's going back away. That's back away. And people, I mean, people were of smaller stature back then, right? I right. mean, just humans' average height was like general, what, yeah. five foot five, five foot six. I wonder if big, you know, Bigfoots were smaller back then too. You can, yeah. They were they're medium foots back then, <laughs> or they or or they were only like six foot two, and they were like he towered over me, eh? He was like six. <laughs> he blocked out the sun. <laughs> And every witness sounds exactly like Rick Moranis. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, people are also invited to write down their own Sasquatch stories and leave them up on a bulletin board. And they will also be able to, this is is my favorite part, they will be able to stick their heads through a window Uh where they will see a brief glimpse of Sasquatch and then draw what they see afterwards and compare it to their sketches with those who actually had eyewitness accounts. So they're kind of showing like, you know, a lot of the sightings people have are very quick, very sudden. You know, he right. darts across the road right. or he, he runs through some trees and, and you just caught a glimpse of them. Mm-hmm. So they want people to kind of see probably, you know, stick their head in this box and probably see a video glimpse of him and then try to come up with their own recollection of what they saw oh, and wow. compare it with what people who actually had uh, yeah. experiences yeah. with and what they saw. You know, something like this, it's actually kind of an interesting way to do it because uh, I I took a, uh, a Citizens Academy for a police academy when I lived in Kansas City one time. And one of our first nights sitting there, it was like a classroom setting. A guy comes running into the room, robs our teacher's wallet. What? And goes running out of the room. And so we had to fill out a police report and, and state, you know, okay, this is the description of the suspect blah 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 you know it was it was so like, it was a stage so, so, yeah it was all okay. stage but they're they're trying to you know it was a really rough part of kansas yeah, city yeah. say, man, nowhere to go <laughs> yeah. guy got ripped off right in the police station but but they they were trying to press the point that 
you know, when these things happen, they happen fast a right. lot of the time. And you miss a lot of the details because, you know, we'll come up with our reports and, you know, our descriptions of the guy. And then they brought the guy back in. It's like, wow, I was way off on what I <laughs> sure. thought I saw. Right. He's completely you know? different. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to, um, you know, treat Bigfoot sightings kind of the same way. That's kind of smart. I saw a documentary once that was uh, kind of in a similar vein. It was uh, talking about large birds, you know, almost like Thunderbird kind mm-hmm. of phenomena. And what they did was kind of to, to prove that some people are a good gauge of size and and they're, they're good at note-taking and, and reporting and uh, they're good at depth perception. And some people aren't. Yeah. And so what they did is they made essentially a kite that, that looks like a large Thunderbird. And this thing had like a... 20, 25 foot wingspan. And they, they flew it like, I don't know, 200 feet up in the sky. And then they would have uh, bystanders come by and try to guess the dimensions of this thing. And some people were way, way, way off Mm -hmm. and some people way overestimated. And it just, you round up 10 people and you'll, you'll get 10 different sites, 10 different reports. So, uh, but that's, that's a really neat thing to add to the museum, you know, to give people that firsthand experience of what it might be like to see one of these creatures and how it goes by so quickly. When you said stick your head through the hole, it reminded me of this exhibit at the Henry Dorley Zoo here in Omaha. Little plug there. <laughs> where it was in the kingdoms of the night. Right. And it was like trying to get you to understand like how bats see and smell and stuff. And it was like, put your head through the hole and smell what's on the other side. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> so many jokes. I'm not gonna so many so jokes. So many jokes. Like, Eddie's like, head was going to explode. Exactly. I just covered my ears and ran out. La, la, la. I couldn't do it. I was just dying. But yeah, I just pictured that. Like, go through and see a Sasquatch. And you poke your head through. And all of a sudden, you just you get like poo flung at you or something. <laughs> like, like, you come out. Ah, ah, just run off. <laughs> this wasn't what I thought. This is not big <laughs> Canada starts laughing. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. That's but, a, uh, yeah, yeah. What a great setup. Though. Yeah, but the exhibit also has, um, you know, kind of something near and dear to our hearts. Uh, deals with Sasquatch in pop culture. Yes, hey. you know, so they probably talk about bionic bigfoot. You know and they like do. That. You know they do. Um, uh, it talks about the advent of cryptozoology and how stories of similar creatures can be found around the globe. Um, so this this exhibit runs through September 2019. So oh. if, if you're going to be up in Alberta, um, you'll have to check it out. It sounds like a really fun time. To get our passports ready, guys. Yeah. That's right. I think I spent some time in Alberta. Um, a few years back, we flew over to Japan and we stopped in Alberta. We spent a day sitting in the airport, I think on the way home. And uh, so I sat in the Alberta Ooh. Uh, airport for a day, which was, it was, I, I, as I remember, a pretty small place. Yeah. So uh, that, that was a long day. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be the but, case in any airport. Mm-hmm. Poke your head through a window there and see what yeah. you can find. <laughs> yeah. Where are the Bigfoots? <laughs> Get back in the plane. <laughs> so kind of recent sighting, recent events. That's, that's the cool thing about recent sightings. There's some flexibility there with that. With that segment. Yeah, I took a little liberty with this one. But, uh, you know, okay. I thought it was kind of fun. It's a recent event. It's it, it counts for sure. I'm trying to do my, and I'm going to sound like a total doofus here, but I know like Vancouver, that's like above Pacific Northwest. Whereabouts is Alberta? Alberta's to... kind of uh, uh, west central Canada. Yeah. So okay. it, it's going to be kind like above of Montana. Above Montana. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Yep. 
I was going to say, so yeah. the Rocky Mountains are running up there, you know, through Colorado and up into uh, up into Canada. So it's kind of, you know, not terribly far from us, but uh, you know, it's it's on the western side. It's on not, the outskirts of the middle. Not of... going to be over by Toronto. If you go to Toronto, you've gone the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! <laughs> Some guy's going to get to the wrong part of Canada and send us a strongly worded letter. Just start asking where Bigfoot is and see Bigfoot's what happens. Bigfoot's not in Toronto. <laughs> Hello, Toronto. I was told to stick my head through a hole. <laughs> Where's that hole? <laughs> Guys, I'm in jail in Toronto. Help me. <laughs> well, on that note, maybe we'll move into uh, pop culture and the paranormal. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. All right, pop culture and the paranormal. It was my pick for this time. Mm-hmm. And. I thought we could talk about uh, video games, scary video games. So kind of paranormal-ish, but, you know, monsters, ghosts, um, just kind of any kind of video game that'll make you, give you the goosebumps. You know, dating back, whether it's original on Nintendo or Xbox or, you know, PlayStation uh, consoles. And, and there's a lot to choose from. I mean, you got everything from, like, the Silent Hill series to Resident Evil. Uh, you have even back to... You know, original, you know, like Super Mario 1, 2, and 3, they had those little ghosts. You know, he's usually yep, in the yeah. castle, like one of the castle Yeah, he's the castle, got levels. bad guy. And you, you turn away from the ghost, and it'll chase you, and then you look back at it, and it'll freeze still. Which, tell me, won't give a kid uh, some sort of disorder. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, Billy, why are you walking backwards everywhere you go? <laughs> I can't stop looking. They chase um, you if you look away from it. But, you know, on a similar note, getting off, off the rails here a little bit, but there's... A pretty common phenomena of people who report that, you know, the feeling of being followed up the stairs, like from the basement. Yeah. Right. Now, your basement's not creepy at all here, no. Eddie. This is a pretty nice setup, but, you know, unfinished basements. I remember Ooh. growing up in a house that was, uh, quite frankly, just haunted as all get out. And uh, me and my siblings would kind of run up, practically run up the stairs because it always felt like, well, it felt like Super Mario Brothers. It yeah. felt like there was a ghost behind you. Yeah. And if you turned around and looked at it, it Ooh. would stop chasing you. But as soon as you turned around and started walking up the stairs, you could feel a presence on your heels again. Yeah. Ooh. It's it's Give funny. It's funny you uh, brought this up. I just remembered this just now, and I don't want to like overtake the segment here. Uh, this actually gets into. Um, it was kind of a creepy version. So the, if anyone listening is familiar, and I know all of us here at the table have at least heard of this series, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is a urban myth, maybe it's real, of a case of a person who will, uh, and there's you can look this up online, like actively, where a person picked up a video game that they believe the actual game itself is haunted. Mm-hmm. That there is, have you heard of like it? Like it's a haunted object. It's a haunted object. Okay. And it happens to be a copy of the Zelda video game. The, the Legend of Zelda series has gone on since its original inception, like 1985, the first Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Unregular classic NES Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. That series continues to this day right. with different iterations of the characters and story and setting of that story. This is a version of the game that was on a game console called the Nintendo GameCube. Uh-huh. Everyone remembers that right. one. The controller looks bonkers. If you look at the yeah. controller, it looks like a bunch of Skittles were just thrown <laughs> on a... <laughs> now, that was that was the version right after Super Nintendo, right? It was right after the 64. Okay, yeah. Nintendo after Nintendo okay. 64. Nintendo, Super Nintendo 64, and then it was GameCube. Yep. Okay. And so uh, this GameCube, and the, the discs were little. They were like tiny CDs. Yeah. 
And the, the game was called Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Okay. That's the name of this game. The game itself is kind of an eerie addition to Legend of Zelda. I believe, and please no one, I was not gaming at this time. We had babies. We had little kids. Mm-hmm. That, like anyone who's a parent knows, your free time gets gobbled up quite a bit. So I didn't play this this particular game, but I did read the article and talk to people who played it. It's an odd entry into the series already. It's kind of dark. Um there's a basically a setting where the moon is either possessed with a dark spirit or there's something bad about the moon. And this person buys a used copy of this game at a yard sale and then puts it in and starts to play it. And there's a saved uh, version like on the game. Oh, no, they bought a used GameCube with the game. Okay. And uh, on the little memory card, there was a saved version of the game. And they were just out of curiosity. They were like, oh, I'll just see where this person left off. And... I think the name of the save file was something weird, and they thought that was interesting. Okay. And they went what? into this. There's game. not a guy named Satan out there. What's weird about exactly. that? Exactly. Six six six. Don't play. Yeah. He had six hundred sixty six thousand points. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, the person resumes this game that was saved on this GameCube under uh, for the Majora's Mask: Legend of Zelda, and basically the game is full of weird glitches and things that the game was never supposed to do. And at one point, the character of this moon um, interacts with the person in a way that is like, it's it's like saying like, hi, Andy, and oh, things like oh, that. It oh, oh, oh. almost sounds kind of like a Jumanji kind of thing kind where of, the game comes alive. Kind of Jumanji-ish, but basically, and I forget all the specifics, but it got to the point where this this game was beginning to detail out specific events of this person's life and it was starting to off put this person off and they would like turn it off and not play the game and then they would be getting having really troubling dreams and so it it, it, it was basically a haunted version of this game so anyone who's listening who's listening or interested check it out this what, per- what do you say if you're that person you go to your counselor or therapist uh yeah tell me tell me what's been going on well my video game's possessed and uh yeah <laughs> yeah now i have oh, nightmares no yeah. okay let's go get the straight jacket yeah, yeah. And on a happy note about yeah. a game that has echoes, in a way, kind of a ghost, um, this uh, kid was cleaning. Um, story one was uh, this family experienced a tragic loss. Uh, the, the father had died um, just suddenly, and his kids were still pretty small. Um, his son grew up to be a little bit older, about 17, 18, and they were cleaning out a storage closet and came across a, an old Xbox, um, original Xbox, which had come out in like 2000. And so this is fairly recent. This is maybe one or two years ago. Okay. This kid finds this Xbox and decides to turn it on. And there's a series of games saved to it. And so one of them was a racing game. And so he fires it up and it still works. And he sees the last save was under his dad's profile. And he thought, I'm going to fire it up and see. And it's this racing game, which allows you to race the person who last got the best time on this game. Okay. It shows their mm-hmm. car as literally a phantom car. Sure. And it's nothing eerie about it. That's the game is built and for you, that. And you have to try right. to beat that person's time. You have to beat time. that person's time. And yeah. so you're literally like, and, and the, the car is literally like driving it. It's replaying the, the playthrough that sure. won the highest score. Right. This kid will race. This is, it makes me a little teary-eyed. This kid will race his dad's last game and he'll he said i never beat it i, I never beat it I so let, it's, it's in a roundabout way it's almost like he's playing a video game with his dad still yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, that's he, pretty cool. He's like, I, I, I never beat it because if I beat it, then it'll overwrite the game. Sure. So he's just he always makes sure that like at the very finish line, he'll just kind of hit the brakes and let his and let his dad. Yeah. That's cool. Cross the finish line. <laughs> it's yeah, a little heartwarming there. A little, little heartwarming there, but yeah, you you'd mentioned <laughs> some stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like stories of actual like you know either yeah. either just through that or even even more scary something yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, and for me, I kind of with you. Like I've played, I've been more or less playing video games on and off since the original Nintendo. Um, like we say in life, like all of us, we have peaks and valleys where we play more or less. And, you know, I, it's a thing I think I'll do till I die. It's just mm-hmm. something that'll always be a part of my life. Well, it's acceptable now. Like we're the first generation of like, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds who are going to be like grandparents playing video games. Yeah. Our grandparents didn't play video games. No. I mean, it just wasn't a thing. No, but know? they were also like grown adults. They, they were in their 40s or 50s when games came out. Right. right. So, so for right. them, it was already kind of like, and it was, and they were always advertised as toys. Yeah. I mean, initially. Yeah. And it didn't take, it took later for that to catch up. And I, I even said to someone at work, and it's silly at this point that it's, and it's not really a debatable point, but it's like, oh, I didn't know where that you... I thought you were a grown up or something. And it's like most people don't even say that anymore because no. it's a legitimate form of entertainment. Because well, yeah. a lot of the games are geared towards adults. You don't yeah. see, yeah. you know, you got Grand Theft Auto, you have yeah. uh, that, well, the new game, Red, Red Dead. Dead. Red Dead Redemption. It's kind of Old West shoot 'em up game. They're, they're made for adults. So. Yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, but going back even to our youth, I remember playing uh, on regular Nintendo uh, Castlevania. Yes. You know, you got skeletons, you have zombies in there, I believe, and you got ghouls. And Oh, it didn't take long. I mean, there was a Friday the 13th game on the Nintendo Entertainment System. And by now, you wouldn't even be scared of it at all. No. Like, you, <laughs> you would like be chuckling at it like, 8-bit Jason, here he comes. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, well, even Pac-Man, he was being chased by he's ghosts. Being chased by ghosts. <laughs> that's right. Those babies were real. Um, um, one thing that's so fun to watch is, you know, the whole point about something being scary uh, is how it works. I remember there was like text-based video games, like oh, they right. were just you just ha- text. You had to yeah. read. And, yeah, you know, read the story, and then you make the the next move. Yeah, it's, it's like choose, choose your own adventure book kind right, of deal. Yeah. Right? Interactive. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was like there was this. I forget the name of the. I want to say it was like Zork or something like that. It was like I a remember text, a game named Zork. It was yeah. like a text RPG role playing game, and it was like you could type in go left, go right, go straight, and then it was like you're in a room yeah. with a candle <laughs> and a skull and the you know. So it was like reading it was almost more scary than you know like these graphics suck you know <laughs> so it was like the the text alone was enough to get you kind of roped in yeah uh but then now like you were getting that there's a game series that i played quite a bit and they do classify as scary it's almost more like like horror action than mm-hmm. it is like like ter- like ooh. it's a game series called gears of war yeah and i really recommend it for anybody out there who and they are graphic i mean like right out of the gate it is basically you are space marines fighting off these alien these aggressive dinosaur looking aliens called locust and their whole it's a very simple story they basically are they exist to destroy humans and you basically are a human colony that's settled on a planet actually in their in this mythos you're just a human type it's a separate universe you're on a planet you think it's a safe planet everybody's happy and then all of a sudden oh snap it's not a safe planet there's a whole subterranean race of dinosaur aliens you gotta hate that you know if the locust is as big as a t-rex i'm out exactly yeah. and yeah. they basically drag people under <clears throat> the earth and kill them yeah. nice <laughs> and so the idea is that there's a constant war between these humans and these uh these uh these dinosaur aliens 
And uh, so it's a very, very straightforward premise, but they gear the game to be very like jump scary. Sure. And it's very well done where you're in a quiet house and it's like falling apart. And oh. Boards are creaky and all of a sudden something jumps out from behind you and you're fighting for your life. And, and you throw the controller and then you can't do anything. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there was a game series called Dead Space and that plays around with the with. Basically, it's like three types of stories. It's a scary, it's like a horror story slash science fiction slash um, um, science fiction horror with like a psychological component. Like you might be going crazy. That's, oh. that's the entire thing. Like you might just be losing your sanity. None of this might even be happening huh. on the space station. So deep. That was taken over by this like alien slash ghost thing. It's all very interesting how well, they've grown. When you were talking about jump scare games one of the ones that my kids were very into when they were like in elementary school and even maybe even in middle school a little bit was the five nights at freddy's oh you know, that was they? just Ooh. you know basically the premises and and you straighten me out if i got this right Ugh. wrong or not but and you, you know about this you're, okay. you're walking around like um it's like a chuck e cheese yeah, yeah chuck e cheese or yeah. or, or a house, or yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's like, like a, it's a, like a theme park slash restaurant that has. This, was it abandoned like, or something? Animatronics. It's like abandoned. I think, is it abandoned or you're no, there at night? It's functional. I think you're there at yeah. night, and you're a security guard. And and then all of a sudden, this bear looking guy would just jump out on the screen, yeah. like like a full face right in your <laughs> face. He he just pop out yeah. at an, at a moment's notice and. And of course, the kids would jump. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that was the fun in the game. You know, to find their way around the the park and try to. I I don't know if they're trying to avoid him yeah. or trying to find him or what it was, but um, you know, it shows me how much I played the game. Yeah. <laughs> I've not played it. It's just not, it's not my but, jam. But it's yeah, yeah, the kids loved it. You know, they love it. It was a phenomenon. It still is. Yeah. I remember yeah, back in well, I was in high school, so this would have been like mid to late nineties, and I can't remember if it was. Uh, Resident Evil or Silent Hill, but it was oh. one of those games, and I think it was for PlayStation. I don't. Yeah. It was it wasn't PlayStation Two yet. It was just regular PlayStation, and you know, so for the time, I mean, the graphics were were hyper realistic to me anyway, and it was almost too much for me. Yeah. It was because I remember, you know, in one of the scenes on one of the levels, you're walking down a dark staircase into like a dark room full of zombies, and you're trying not to wake them up. And I mean, it's 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 eerie. It's one thing to watch a movie. Yeah. Where you're just you're just witnessing what's happened, but mm-hmm. when you have a video game, you're witnessing and you're it and you're it. in control of what happens next, right? And, right. So, or not in control. Or not. That's the yeah. thing. It's it is it, taking away that third person and having you be part of it versus yeah. observing it. Um, hands down, of all the and I'm not, and we've talked about this. Like I don't gravitate towards like overly gory and stuff like that. But if it's a fun, if the components of the game are enough to pull me in, I'll I'll play it to a point. There are some scary games. I won't even touch. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I won't even mention them by name on this podcast. They're that dark. Wow. And they're just not worth, in my opinion, not even worth, you know, I'm a big believer in art being open and yeah. like, you know, but on the same token, like I have kind of a line. Yeah. <laughs> so there's just things that I'll never do and I'll never look at. And there's some games out there I cannot recommend. One I can and I do, and I kind of want to do one with us, with us. I have an old Xbox, an old Xbox 360 <laughs> down there. It's a game that came out. It was called Left for Dead. Okay. And Left for Dead 2. Pat, have you heard of this no. series? <laughs> it Left is, for Deader. <laughs> picture picture um, the game or, or the TV show Walking Dead. Okay. Okay. And But the zombies don't walk. They run. 
<laughs> Great. <laughs> and there are hundreds and hundreds of them all chasing you and four and three other buddies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so and the game is so great because it's not a there's no deep 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 like gameplay to it. It's basically like the most arcadey thing you could ever get mm-hmm. it with this thing. It's basically four people we get as many supplies as we can and carry. And you shoot the zombies. And you got to get from point A to point B and don't die. Gotcha. And if you you have the ability as long as you have like bandages and stuff to resurrect a teammate, but if you run out of bandages and someone gets downed, they can be killed, but as long as one person makes it to the checkpoint, the whole team succeeds. Oh, cool. Okay. So then when the when the when the next round starts, everybody's back and you can go. Gotcha. It is hands down and they were smart. They didn't drag out the matches. Each match is probably 10 minutes long, 12 minutes long. Yeah. And it's all cooperative. Mm-hmm. There's not you against a buddy, you know. It's like we have got to survive out there. And there's 500 things that want to kill us and we got to get <laughs> and it is insane. These things will claw through the walls. Like there's uh-huh. no the only safe place is to just move. You got to keep moving. Keep moving. And Let's it's play that, man. That sounds it's like fun. So fun. <laughs> but it's also like Shireen comes downstairs, she <laughs> The first time I played this game, I'm just screaming because we shut the door and I'm like, thank God, guys, we're safe. And then I hear my, I'm like, and you're seeing things from your perspective. It's a first person perspective game. Right. Yeah. So I turn around and I'm like, all right, guys, we made it. And then my whole team starts screaming and I just see them run. And I turn around and the zombies had clawed through the walls. <laughs> we hadn't figured out the mechanics of it yet. So yeah. I'm like, they can come through the walls. They're coming through the windows. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Shireen comes down and she looks at me and she goes, what are you doing? <laughs> All I hear is you screaming. <laughs> but it's it's hands down some of the most fun I've had uh, oh, with that. But it is, yeah, you and three other players against 500 zombies that want to stop you from getting to point B. So well, it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, you think... Here and now, with with all the the great graphics in video games, you know, horror is kind of really taking its place in the video gaming yeah. industry. But you go back all the way back to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Wow, they were trying to create scary games. Oh uh, gosh, give us that. one. Well, there there was one called Sea Monster, and basically it's the same game as Space Invaders, but maybe flip it upside down. Yep, you're shooting so, down so, into the ocean. So you're shooting down into the ocean. <laughs> Take that, Nessie. Trying boom, to get the boom. monsters. But the monsters could actually, w- would shoot back up at oh. you too. So so uh, it was kind of like uh, flip Space Invaders upside down yep. and pretend it's at the ocean. There you go. <laughs> guys, picture that pitch in the video game room too. Okay, guys, it's Space Invaders, but flipped upside down. <laughs> and the monster's got a gun too. <laughs> Give that guy a raise. <laughs> now, now, there's also He's one. genius. There's one called Shark Attack. Um, this is kind of a, sideways a, a space invaders. <laughs> <laughs> it's like space invaders, but sideways, right. and the fin comes up at you. Give him another raise. <laughs> Sorry. This is this is this is a Pac-Man ripoff, and it has you collecting diamonds in a maze as a killer shark tries to constantly uh, chase you. And not only will he gobble you up if given half the chance, but he also snags a diamond for himself each time he makes it across the screen. So he's like. Oh. Getting the money away from you as well. Um, Those dang sharks. <laughs> and and he isn't the only thing you're worrying about. All that underwater racket has also woken up Nessie the Loch Ness Monster, Ooh. who will chase you around the screen until you trick her into a cave at one of the four corners of the maze where power pellets can be used and you can... 
dispense of her. This reminds so. me of a game that I've played before. I just can't quite <laughs> nail it down. I mean, but but just going down the list here, there's one for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, Think of that for Atari 26. <laughs> how bad the graphics must have been. Run, the rectangle's holding a smaller <laughs> rectangle. <laughs> you know, Run! And of course, there, there's ones about snakes, uh, kind of like a centipede ripoff, uh, spiders, um, you know, just... Even back then, they were trying to come up with scary games for they were trying to capture your imagination. Eight bit, eight bit graphics, right? Or four? It was eight bit. I think so. The early gaming was always eight bit when it started, and then Nintendo was sixteen. Well, Nintendo, the first Nintendo was eight still. Oh, it's still eight. But here's the crazy part: they figured out how to just be better at it. I mean, so I mean, like everything, it was like, okay, well, we just need to arrange these dots or these these pixels in better arrangements and we can make them look more like a little character. And I think the Intellivision was kind of like that. I there agree. was Atari 2600 yep. and then Intellivision came out right after that. And that was kind of like a step above step Atari in, in some ways. The graphics seemed a little crisper. I think the squares were just a little smaller, smaller. you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so they it, they looked you know, yeah. more, more real. Yeah. And then that 16 bit came and it just blew all of our brains. Yeah. So like 16 bit <laughs> graphics. <laughs> so speaking of 16 bit graphics, so we, we, we were kind of like, we betrayed Nintendo. It's so funny because we, the only Nintendo consoles I've owned is the first one. And we bought a Wii after a bit. And even then I'm like, eh, <laughs> like I did, it didn't capture my imagination. Right. Um, but so we had a first, we had an NES and then we were old school NES. We had the robot even, the stinking Robbie the robot oh, that yeah. came with it that yeah. dropped. A, he played one game. And then we ended up getting, uh, no, right? And we got a Sega Genesis. Uh, that was the next one we got. And and it was the first one. It, it had beaten Nintendo to the punch by a few months. Right. First one to have 16-bit graphics. Uh-huh. And speaking of scary games, the game that it came with was called Altered Beast. And it was a game where, just like in real life, you punch a tombstone until it falls apart, and then the, <laughs> the ghost comes out of the grave. Naturally. And then it possesses you. Oh, no, you kick a blue pig, once again, like in real life. <laughs> right, right. And then the, the spirit from the possessed pig enters you and turns you into a werewolf. That's, that's I what I call kick those blue pigs. <laughs> kick that pig! Kick it, Billy! Kick it! That's what I call what? Thursday night. Exactly. It's a Thursday night for Billy. But you turn into a werewolf. Who also gets like hulked out with big muscles, and you basically fight these demons, and it was basically a showcasing of 16-bit graphics. And then you pull out a bunch of glow sticks. Yes, and- <laughs> glow sticks. <laughs> Altered beast glow stick part. Well, you have to because the graveyard's dark. Right, right. So it's just a necessity. Yeah. Listen, how can I punch this tombstone if I can't see it with all my glow sticks? That's right. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you would punch tombstones, and I was like, "This game is encouraging such bad behaviors." <laughs> I can't, I can't condone this. Well, this is such a broad topic. Yeah. this, this oh paranormal in the it video could be a games. Whole episode at this point. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit that at some point in time. But uh, thanks for bearing with us as we <laughs> mentioned every console ever made for every system. Yeah, and hey, you know what? If you have a, a favorite scary video game, share it with us on our Facebook page. That's right. All right. Well, moving on. What's up next, guys? Main mystery. Main mystery. Here we go. And now it's time for the main mystery. (laughs) So, typically, Thanksgiving is not associated with being scary. (laughs) (laughs) Although, there are mysterious happenings that take place 
in and around Thanksgiving. You know, the mashed potatoes go missing so quickly. Exactly. Who, right. who took the last of the pie? I just put this bowl of cranberry sauce down. Why is it gone? That's exactly. Why is the turkey making me so sleepy? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Someone put a curse on Pat. And he's asleep on the couch. Pat's out. <laughs> so, so uh, hopefully you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving dinner, your or lunch, whatever, however your family rolls. You've watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. You're getting those Christmassy thoughts start to pop in your brain. Well, I got a scary story to share with you. <laughs> I'm going to scare you to death. This has to do with one of the earliest settlements of European um, um, settlers. <laughs> I said settlers more than I should. Uh, on American soil. And it has a scary story associated with it. And a lot of people may know where I'm going with this, but a lot of people may not have. I had heard of this story when I was a kid. I lived on the East Coast most of my life, well, now half my life, living on the East Coast. And I had heard this mentioned, but as a kid, I'd never thought about it. I lived in Virginia for a short amount of time. There's an actual town named this in Virginia. And I'm talking about the colony of Roanoke, North Carolina. So quick synopsis here. In 1587, so we associate the colonization. Like yeah, witch trial time period almost. Yeah, I think that I was mean, early 1600s. I mean, America's not America yet. Right. right. I mean, this is even pre-witch trials. I think. I mean, this is like European witch trials. We're right. not even in Boston. Boston doesn't exist yet. Okay. Uh, in this time frame, we're talking 1587, not not even 1600 yet. Um, 115 settlers from England arrived at Roanoke Island uh, off the coast of North Carolina. The governor of Roanoke, um, and these people were from England, by the way, um, left. They got there, and they had established the colony. And after a short bit, John White's like, hey, y'all, I got to go back. <laughs> and this is back then. Even now, sailing anywhere doesn't take, it's not a short trip. Right. But um, he had to go back to England to replenish supplies and just kind of get everything he needed to kind of, you know, second wind, get the colony up on its feet. Um, it just so happens as he's in England, war breaks out in Europe. Um, and so uh, it delays his return by three years. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's some hardcore Eddie well, time. And right life there. expectancy wasn't that high back then. That's like a quarter of your life. Exactly. <laughs> right? I'm right, down exactly. 17% of my life, man. Oh, man. So when he gets back to the Roanoke uh, in, uh, settlement, all traces of the settlement are gone. Completely gone. So they're waiting for their tea for three years. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, this teacup's not filling itself, Mr. White. Um, so he comes back, and the, settle, the settlement of Roanoke is gone. Now, this is where the creepy, not that that's not creepy enough, but here's where it gets really interesting. There was one skeleton laying around. The buildings, the fortifications were all dismantled, taken apart, no signs of struggle, no signs of war, fighting, nothing, just no people. And then on a wood post in the settlement, there was the word Croatoan carved into this post. And I'll spell that for anybody, for everybody. It's C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N, Croatoan. Weird. There, uh, the tribe of Native Americans that lived near this encampment were Croatoan um, Indians is what they were known as. Okay. okay. Um, so that word was carved into a pole and there was a skeleton found. Um, there's a little bit of backstory on some of this. They ha apparently had not great relationships with the surrounding um, Native Americans. Um, and initially, when the first settlers got here to, or got to Roanoke, 
there was enough, the conditions were bad enough, and they had felt like the rapport between them and the natives were bad enough. They weren't comfortable staying. So uh, the first trip back, um, a bunch of people actually initially left uh, before John White had even left to get to resupply. Uh, the first round of settlers left back to England with Sir Francis Drake. Fun mm. little little tidbit huh. there. Yeah. He was part of that initial wave of people that came. So the people that stayed built the colony, and then John White leaves, comes back, everybody's gone. Um, fun facts to kind of just uh, drive this home for everybody. No bodies were discovered. No bodies at all. Um, no evidence of any struggles. No conflict. Um, no signs of struggle. Uh, the houses, all the houses and fortifications were dismantled. They weren't destroyed. They were just taken down. Um, and then uh, John White had told, had instructed the people at the uh, colony, if there was any signs of trouble, carve a Maltese cross into a tree so that I know that you encountered trouble. And he, so, and I drew a little symbol. It looks like basically four arrows all pointing, like mm -hmm. the pointy end is all pointing together. That symbol was never found. Nobody carved that in anything to indicate that there had been trouble. And so there's literally no, everybody at this point is just guessing on what happened to these people. And um, that that's it. Like, they're that, gone. That they're gone. That's the mystery. And they, there's no record of where they, they went or who was there or anything. There is no witnesses. There's no like documents. There's no nothing. There's basically just people trying to piece together what they felt like happened. Um, the best that they can conjecture is that the people encountered a bad enough time that they just left. And that they ended up basically making a pact or a truce with the natives and just kind of just followed them and just became part of that native tribe and then just left. But the interesting problem is, is they never did the, the signal to no signal. Yeah. No, that, nothing that oh, uh, there's trouble. Yeah. Why would they have disassembled their living quarters? Yeah, that's a that's, that's a waste of too. manpower. Yeah. There's yeah. so many mysteries. I, I'm guessing this. they were hungry. They were probably low on energy, low on food, low on everything. Yeah, why? Why, why? Yeah. Why waste your time taking a, your house apart? An argument would be that they were maybe scavenging for stuff, keeping the nails or something. Or but who's to say? Because right. once again, like there was no like destruction. Like they didn't bust chairs apart to use for firewood. They right. just left everything. Hmm. Um, one of the big things too was like the easy explanation is, oh, they just joined up with the tribe and the tribe, but the, that's assuming the tribe would even have them. Yeah. And then the second thing was there was no real evidence of the tribe absorbing a hundred people into their numbers. And all of a sudden they just, you know, added a whole ton of people. I mean, you'd have to sustain that many people if you have a fairly small tribe, um, you're not going to be able to double or triple your size and have that not impact everybody. So there's a lot of like explanation for it. Like, oh, this is what probably happened, but nobody, there is no record of what happened with these people. 115 people essentially vanished into thin air. 
and there's no. They probably built a boat and just went to the Caribbean. Or that's something. what it is. It's like I'm going they, to Florida. Yeah, they must have built about eight <laughs> Gen A's. That's my boat. It's, it's Gen A one, two, Gen a. three, Gen A three. <laughs> Maybe uh, they're taken by the mothership. Yeah. Oh, there. So this is you know. where this is where the paranormal ste- seeps into this. So uh, there's a lot of talk of some paranormal activity happening uh, around the area, mostly like ghost, uh, spirit activity, uh, noises in the night, things that you know, seeing things in the woods that they you know didn't weren't able to nail down she's Um, a witch exactly (laughs) um and and once again there was the environment that they were in was kind of ready to explode i mean these the they were like i said their relationship with the natives wasn't great and so there's a lot of just mystery here that is just kind of like we we literally can't explain for a disappearance and there's no grave sites there's no bodies there's that one skeleton that was just left out. Well, and if they wrote Croatoan, they, they had somebody in the village could write and read. Right. But there was no journal, no diary, no written records. No. No SOS. Literally carved the name of the native tribe closest to the settlement into a, a, a post and then just left it there. Hmm. Um, so there's scholars and there's historians and there's people who have studied, you know, all these things who come up with all these different explanations, uh, but nothing solid uh, that could explain it. So do you know if this has become a part of the Roanoke culture like today? Do they celebrate this story in any way? Or? I believe there's some like festivals and like retellings of the stories. And and like Sharina pointed out, there's, you know, this is where the paranormal community and some storytellers have kind of taken some, some these stories and ran with them where there is a there's an entire season of American horror story that's mm-hmm. centered around the uh, the settlement of Roanoke. Oh, really? And it does it does take into account some of those myths and legends that surrounded it, everything from like uh, forest witches to monsters to and this is where it gets a little bit where and this is where my mind started to go and there are some people who think that this might be a case of even early UFO mass abductions Mm -hmm. um, where you know if there was a strong enough presence of UFO activity and all of a sudden you have these new people show up and it's like hey there's a new whole segment of uh, humans we're going to just snatch them well and there's been some similar cases maybe not quite on that scale but I've watched some documentaries on some of these unexplained files type of shows where there's been a couple worldwide cases of boats, you know, small sailing vessels with a crew of three or four, and they they find find the vessel just aimlessly, no passengers on board, you know, Mm -hmm. just cruising around the, you know, the Pacific and, you know, uh, plenty of food, uh, beers are on ice, the the plates of food are hot, um, enough supplies, nobody on board was mentally ill. No, absolutely no um, explanation. They're just gone. Like, yeah. Like what? All four people just jumped overboard for no reason. Right. Like there's no explanation. Right. And th- that's happened more than once. So to have an entire group of people gone with no explanation and their personal belongings and all that's just left behind mm-hmm. and they just up and left. Um, the the carving of the word Croatoan in a wood post is interesting. And someone had even pointed out like it's almost a little like like kind of silly, like almost like there was something nefarious that went on and that the solution was, we'll just carve the word Croatoan in there. Let them take the blame. It'll be ambiguous enough that they'll assume that something happened involving those Indians and we 
sorry, Native Americans, and we t I'm thinking in the, in the context of how they would say it, uh, and then they would just assume the responsibility or you know blame them for it, yep. and then take the take the attention away from whatever the heck it may have really been. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I uh, I don't know why that just that word kind of gives me the willies a Croatoan. little bit. Croatoan. I've heard of the Crow Native Americans. I've never mm -hmm. heard of Croatoan. Yeah, but. Anyway. It's interesting, and it's one of those things that, like, with such little evidence uh, to really like start building a case, it's where it's where all of these different theories can just really poke out. Like, I mean, it looks to me like an abduction. I mean, the only the only thing that would explain like something to that level is that you were just taken without notice, without anything, and well, gone, or 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 kind of, I hate to say it this way, but kind of like. Um, charmed almost like put under some sort of odd trance and then like removed from your mm -hmm. environment. Well, here's the other thing. Let's, let's go out on a limb and say that they were uh, taken in by the Croatoan and they just kind of assimilated into that culture. You think somewhere along the lines, there would have been reports of, Hey, um, there's this, you know, group of native Americans who have like 150 Caucasian people in their bunch. Yeah. And then they probably would have, in, you know, intermingled and, and, yeah. uh, There'd be offspring, and you know, right. but there's no, there is no reports no, of uh, the, yeah. of a white Native American group out there. Plus, you, know? you just don't disappear like that. No. Even, even if you did, like, just all of a sudden, just be like, uh, you know, decide, you know what, I'm gonna live with these people and uh, you know, become part of their culture. Uh, that doesn't just happen overnight, and you don't just acclimate like a light switch. Right. And like you said, eventually, even with those numbers, somebody would be like, I'm going back to, you know, this thing. I. Um, this is where it gets a little dark. <laughs> so there was a movie that had come out a while back and this reminded me of, um, the Roanoke story. It, it is so dark. I, we read the synopsis of this movie and we decided to not watch it. Was it a recent flick? Uh, yeah, it came out last year. I want to say either last year or the year before that. It was called the witch. Oh, have you guys heard of this movie? No, hmm. it's called the witch. Um, and it's even made more eerie by the fact that the W in which is just two V's. Oh. And I don't know why, but just seeing it spelled that way <laughs> looks off-putting to me. But it's set just like in Roanoke. Super early Americas. Sure. Uh, not, not even America. It's a settlement. Um, you know, um, it, There's nothing but wilderness and mystery surrounding this encampment. Mm. And this family has done something wrong. They don't get into what was done done but the family did something that involved the uh the settlement saying you got to go and so the family the father is a father and mother um i believe a daughter an older daughter and two siblings a younger sibling and then a baby and the family is ejected from the colony you got to leave so they do and the dad and the family the whole family build a little log cabin right outside of these woods far enough away from the encampment that they're gone, but close enough that they can go into town and get supplies like that much. They're allowed to do, but they can't live there. Okay. Long story short, um, the younger kid starts reporting, having full conversations with the family goat, <laughs> like full on conversations with the family goat that they've nicknamed black Phillip, which apparently has some ties to some demonic, stuff okay and then um the girl the older girl begins to feel like there is a presence in the woods beckoning to her and am i scared am, am, am i'm scared much? i'm am scared already <laughs> um and 
um, the family, more and more trauma begins to happen to this family. And the younger sibling begins to act kind of odd and violent, telling him Black Phillip is telling him to do these things. And I don't want to give away the movie. There's some darkness that happens and the entire family basically goes missing. And the older daughter is summoned into the woods and is never seen again. And so the whole family is disappeared by this ominous dark presence that's in the forest. And the point being, there are enough, they're pulling enough from the story that do borrow from folk tales and legends of what early American, as I put in air quotes, American, American wasn't around in the 1500s, early settlers of North America were kind of reporting. Um, and not even reporting, but telling these stories. Oh, you know, don't go in the forest. There's evil spirits there and stuff like that. So do with that what you will. But the fact that Roanoke has all the makings of a similar story is just really interesting. <laughs> and there's no closure because we'll never know. Yeah, we'll no, never know. no. It's literally one of those mysteries that everybody who would ever be able to share any information is gone. Right. You know, and and any traces are gone. I mean, it's 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 like one of those things that'll probably just never go answered. Yeah. Wow. There's Which, that. For and, you. and and <laughs> I like it because something like that wouldn't or couldn't happen in today's world. No. Of information and technology, everything's public. Everything's shared. If an entire group of people go missing, you're going to get to the bottom of it using GPS satellites or some other means. And Well, you would think so. Well, yeah. Except for like those airplanes. <laughs> you think about well, those airplanes disappearing in, in the ocean. Yeah. I mean, we just shrug our shoulders and say, well, it must have crashed and we just can't find it. But, but again, I think kind of the same thing. Although Is I think they a, did for that. The one, one of them. One, one of them. They, they did yeah. find some pieces of the plane. Yeah. So you would assume. Yeah. But I'm thinking That's with some of those missing airplane type deals, I wonder if they hit a weird patch of fog or something like we uh, have reported down about uh Bermuda Triangle yep. and maybe they just disappeared into a different dimension. Just got sucked up into a wormhole. Yep. Poked their head through the hole, see what was on the other side. Which, you know, and there's stories of like naturally occurring portals that show up. I mean, there's that one story about that one poet in in like Me- northern Mexico where he went walking and never came back and nobody found him ever ever ever, like not even like where he was. Like they knew where he went. And they went and walked like whatever a normal human could. He went out there in dress shoes. Like he was walking out in like church Sunday shoes. Never he went home. down to Cabo, just had a, exactly. such a good time. He didn't ever come back. I'm never coming back from Cabo. <laughs> He'll never bring me back. But there's, there's just so many cases of people that disappeared and were never seen again. There's a story. I think it was a Nebraska farmer, actually. Oh, wow. Disappeared. What? Nobody could find him. I'm almost positive it was in Nebraska, but... The weirdest thing is nobody could see him. He disappeared, but his family could hear him <gasps> crying, like oh, close, like eerie. like close, like he was feet away from them crying in like an open field, like oh, n- no barns, nothing to hide behind. He wasn't in a hole in the ground. He wasn't behind a tree. There was nothing out there, and it was almost like he had disappeared into a different dimension or something. Like something and, out of Stranger Things, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh, yes. <laughs> he was in yes. the underworld or whatever you call yeah, it. Upside yeah. down. Upside oh, down. That's so weird. But, that would anyway, be but so off-putting. How many people does it say? How many people were in that Roanoke colony? 115. Jeez, went missing. See, that's all of, them. all of them. It wasn't like 90 of them went. They didn't then, leave Chuck and, behind to, yeah. to tell people, "Hey, Chuck, you stay here. You're gonna leave <laughs> Chuck behind. We're gonna. I'll catch up with you later, Chuck. Guys, this is our chance. We can ditch Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, all of them gone. 
there wasn't like a disagreement amongst one of them or 10 of them. Like, man, I'm not doing that. I'm staying behind. They'll be back. You know, even just just the sheer odds, you're going to have a handful of people that are like, listen, you're you're proposing. Let me get this straight. We're going to go live with with natives and we're going to leave behind the stuff we have here. And granted, it had been three years. I get it. They're probably assuming he's dead. But I mean, still what you know. I'm just going with what, what with what people do. Reinvent my entire culture or stick with what I know. You know, I just I just don't know. No sign of any Well, you think about it. I mean, three years is a very long time to be isolated. And, yeah. and if if you get a better offer, you might want to act on it. If you're hungry enough, you you know, they might want they might have wanted to You're completely right with some somebody else. I mean I mean you're thinking it takes him probably a year to come back. Okay. Yeah. It takes him a year to come back. He's one year back. goes, okay, he's a little late. Another one year, two years go by, you're like, oh boy. Oh, and then on the third something. year you gotta make some choices. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot to it, but I mean there's just so many other reasons. I mean, you know, like how do you all of a sudden you just see some like people from England who are now living with, with Native Americans. Yeah, we, we didn't know what was happening. Or maybe mm-hmm. it was so remote still back then. We're talking about 1598. Maybe there wasn't any other people for them to see. But yeah, they came back to an empty colony. There's nothing there. A skeleton and a post with the word Croatoan carved into it. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so hug your, Sleep hug, tight. Your, hug your loved ones a little closer. <laughs> Don't talk to Black Phillip. He's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're going to up and leave, uh, leave a letter and, and tell us why. Right? More than one word, bro. More than one word. Don't just write yeah. store. Store. <laughs> store. Which store, Eddie? Which store? Why? There's so many Walmarts. I went to a store. Store. In, in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a, another episode locked and loaded for you soon. Uh, as always, special thanks to freesound.org for providing some of the eerie music and sound effects for this episode. And send us an email, paranormaldadsgmail.com, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram at Paranormal Dads. And uh, what else you got, boys? Check out our website, www.paranormaldads.com. We'll have any of our show notes available there. Um, Eddie? A happy hey. Paranormal Thanksgiving from all of us and our families at Paranormal Dads. Uh, the ghost of your Thanksgiving turkey will be happy to <laughs> walk around the house. and and uh, But also, I do want to put out, uh, we do have Paranormal Dads uh, campfire t-shirts uh, that we have for sale. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on uh, Facebook Messenger. Just message, uh, message us uh, for pricing and sizing and all that. And uh, we can get them shipped off to you. And you can wear them in all of your paranormally goodness speaking of disappearing they're so popular they're going fast get them while you can people they're gonna <laughs> be gone get them before the shirts are all ghosts like <laughs> ruin, <laughs> we, we ruin oak these shirts <laughs> we're gonna ruin oak them uh, we hope you have a good thanksgiving if you need to order an extra large on account of all the turkey and mashed potatoes we're not judging all you know, sizes bump it up a size do yeah. it all the sizes <laughs> all right well thank you thank all As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. So, one of, I was going to say one of the gems was Eddie taking off his.
pen cap and digging in his ear like a cute <laughs> did you hear that did you see that i was like i thought it was gonna come out your other ear <laughs> my ear was itchy i can't remember what buttons do what and i'm that idiot i'm like i accidentally punched my horse <laughs> i froze i didn't know what to say what do we do just cut it off there